Okay, in this podcast redo, I'm going to be talking about the essay, Crafting Rhetorical Precedent, The Paradox of the LGBT Asylum Seeker in the Matter of Tabalas Alfonso. In this essay, Emily is arguing that in making Tabaso Alfonso precedent for similar cases, the U.S. ultimately removed a barrier to entry for LGBT migrants, but set in place norms that continue to regulate LGBT identity. Her findings assert that administrative legal arguments hold the ability to find in place a rhetorical precedent that shapes future performances associated with that precedent, performances of citizenships in particular, by shaping the collective understanding of citizenship and the social imagery. Until 1990, any person migrating into the U.S. who identified as lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender would be denied entry under the regulations set forth in the Image and Nationality Act. Tabasso Alfonso and its establishment as precedent became one of the first cases in the U.S. LGBT legal history to be ruled on the basis of status and not acts. Her analysis highlights the ways our ideas of public and private and identities and acts intertwine within judicial decisions to materially impact those who seek a place within the citizenry. TA's president has been called a soft immutability standard that requires proof of sexual orientation but allows criteria to shift to fit the context of each case. It does require applicants to pro to prove the immu- immutability of their identity. This means that LGBT, LGBT asylum seekers must be able to prove their sexual orientation or gender identity and the ways in which it has presented persisted in their lives, meaning they must show that they were, quote unquote, born this way and they cannot change. Now, this is possible, but requires the presentation of an identity that is especially legible to immigration officers and judges. Okay, I'm running out of time, and we already did that in class, and I was there for the discussion and the Socratic seminar thing. I don't know why I didn't upload the podcast, but now I'm going to be talking about Carolyn D. Cromer's article, Disassociation as an Advocacy Strategy in U.S. Higher Education Policy, and this edu- this essay examines how the the rhetoric of accountability has replaced the rhetoric of opportunity for education policy, resulting in damaging consequences for public education. Comer starts by explaining the failure of Obama's The College Scorecard, which was designed to give college-bound students, their parents, and policymakers a way to compare costs, graduation rates, employment rates, average loan amounts borrowed by students, and the loan default rates of every U.S. college and university. While the hope for this tool is that it would make information about higher education more transparent, many criticized the college scorecard and said that it was a market-based technical solution to the complex social problems of access and equity in higher education. Critics also said that offered it, that it offered little to no help interpreting and comparing the numerical values it presented, which in turn just confused and overwhelmed the users. However, the college scorecard, even though it failed, highlighted an important issue facing educators today, which is contemporary calls for education reform and accountability continue to be dominated by the values and ideals of the market. Scholars in rhetoric and argumentation have recently turned their attention to the education policy to understand 
better how policymakers have increased their use of accountability rhetoric since the 20th century. Okay, so Comer is arguing that understanding rhetorical disassociation can help education educators understand argumentative strategy opponents of the Spellings Commission used to contest the accountability policy recommendations. So in 2005, U.S. Secretary of Education Margaret Spellings had a bold new vision for reforming higher education. The Spellings Commission's final report was intensely debated. The commission argued for a national consumer-friendly database for tracking student progress with stuff that would permit student consumers to compare colleges and universities by costs and outcomes, but critics said that they thought this database failed to develop a public democratic vision for the ends of higher education and instead relied on a market rationale to create policy recommendations. Um, while the commission itself failed, it succeeded in establishing a rhetoric of accountability in higher education.